y'all do. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we wanted to give it about a week to settle down. We wanted to avoid the overreactions and the hot takes and just kind of let those bleed out. But now I turn around, Matt, and I see that we still have 27 more days to kill before the NFL draft. So uh, this is going to be one of those things that we're just going to have to live with the aftermath. Uh, I mean, the 49ers made the huge trade last Friday. They give up three first round picks. They get a first round pick back, but obviously it's the number th- uh, it's the number 3 overall pick in the 2021 draft. Everybody thinks uh, that means they're going to pick a quarterback. Uh, that's the way that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were talking. There's obviously an alternate universe where they may not pick a quarterback and maybe they're just pulling a fast one on anybody on everybody. And we'll talk about all the possibilities right now, including all of the potential quarterbacks that everybody has been arguing about for the past week. It, has it calmed down at all? I, I don't think so. I think it's just intensifying, but hopefully we can uh, add some, uh, you know, a little bit more restrained conversation to the topic. Cause it seems Matt that everybody's just been yelling at each other for the week since the trade. Yeah, and uh, I, I think people should understand that that's going to happen. There's going to be there's going to be a storyline about each of these guys that sort of pokes a hole in it, and then there's going to be an opposing storyline that you know lifts that guy back up. I, I've been following out of the corner of my eye, for example, uh, Zach Wilson and and the Jets, and it, for months and months it's been assumed that Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, which would you know a, a, a typical 49ers fan would just be. You know, bowled over by the prospect of, of getting BYU's Zach Wilson. Well, in New York, it's it's scrutinized so heavily that you know the the storyline that oh he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Oh, he's too small. Oh, he only had one year. I mean, uh, you you look at these things so closely sometimes that um, you know nothing is going to please you. And I guarantee you that's going to happen with. Trey Lance. It's going to happen with, it's already happening with Mac Jones. It's going to happen with Justin Fields. There is a, a million ways to poke holes into each of these guys. And I think uh, fans and readers should just be uh, prepared for that. There's no perfect prospect out there. And also, even if you do think that you have a perfect prospect on paper, paper doesn't translate to the NFL, right? The, the draft, we always talk about how much of a crapshoot it is. Just because the 49ers traded up to number three doesn't mean that they all of a sudden have access to a 100% successful lock at the quarterback position or any position, even if they do go with Kyle Pitts or, or Sewell, the, the tackle out of Oregon. I mean, we cannot be 100% certain that any of these college players who are all great in college, all very promising prospects, we cannot be certain that they will translate to the NFL. And that makes this the decision of the Shanahan-Lynch era, right? They use so much capital to move up, and if the guy that they pick doesn't work out, well, then all of a sudden you're talking about their tenures probably being in trouble a couple years down the road, right? So, uh, I mean, this is a situation right now. They haven't you know, let go of Jimmy Garoppolo yet. They haven't fully crossed the bridge. Let's let's uh, let's put that out there. But if they do do that, and they do, you know, pick one of these quarterbacks, uh, I think a, a lot of their tenures uh, rest on this decision. That that's how big this is. Yeah, I mean, the only scenario where that that doesn't come true is if somehow Jimmy Garoppolo 
uh, you know, leads this team to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, and then becomes the, you know, uh, a great quarterback for the rest of his life. And then this sort of becomes a, a side note. They probably trade Trey Lance, whoever it is, for a second round pick in a few years. But Trey um, Lance yeah. becomes Jimmy Garoppolo, right? From the Patriots. <laughs> it would be full circle. That's exactly what Garoppolo did to Tom Brady or Tom Brady did to Garoppolo. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that's that's probably not going to happen. But you're right. I mean, this is the difference between them being, you know, five or six years guys and uh, sort of uh, made men like, you know, uh, 10, 15 year Bill Belichick type of of guys. I mean, th- th- this this needs to work out. So it, it, it was a huge risk. And it, it starts you wondering, OK, what really prompted them to make this this risk. Obviously, there is a, a dissatisfaction with with Jimmy Garoppolo or at, at least a, uh, a worry that, boy, we can't have another season where he's on the bench for half the year. I mean, it, it just torpedoes your, your season. But to me, it's, it's, you know, and Kyle Shanahan has talked about this a lot over the last four years. He thinks that there are uh, five to ten, he used that, that number range, and that that varies every time he, he talks about the subject. But he thinks that there are five to ten elite quarterbacks in the league at any given point. Um, and if you don't have one of those guys, then you settle for an above-average pocket guy, which is what he's had at various points in his career. Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera, et cetera. So the question now, and it's one that everybody's wrestling with, is... Um, you know, to me, the the guy that kind of prompted them to move up to number three was Mac Jones because it's such an easy projection for Kyle Shanahan. He's watched Mac Jones operate in the pocket, 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 pocket. That's his bottom line. And now the question is, uh, does he think that one of these other two guys, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, can be that elite guy? And, um, you know, that's what's going to keep everybody tossing and turning and guessing and projecting uh, from from here until the start of the draft. You're right about the pocket, and I think it's always started there. It will continue to start there, and it'll continue to start there not just for Kyle Shanahan, but for any seriously-minded offensive coach. You have to be able to deliver from the pocket at some point. You know, the smoke and mirrors aren't going to work forever. At some point, the league's going to figure out the smoke and mirrors, and you have to be able to deliver from the pocket, which is why, uh, I mean, let's just go back to 49ers greatness. Steve Young, early in his career, big-time runner, right? He, he was running everywhere. It drove Mike Holmgren crazy. It would have driven Mike Shanahan crazy, but by that point, Mike Holmgren had kind of knocked the uh, you know, uh, excessive freewheeling out of Steve Young's game, and he had learned how to play from the pocket you know, in that 1990-1991 season. Then by 1992, when Mike Shanahan showed up, Steve Young, you know, executed the perfect marriage of the pocket passing game with the athletic ability. So Kyle Shanahan the other day said, guys, like, I think he was asked about Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins being his prototype QB. He said, no, Kirk Cousins is not my my prototype QB. Yes, I love Kirk Cousins because he does what I want from the pocket, but if I could take Kirk Cousins' brain, Kirk Cousins' pocket passing ability, and combine it with the biggest, fastest, strongest guy out there, of course I would do it. Because then I'd have the best of both worlds, just like my dad, Mike, had the best of both worlds with Steve Young and the 49ers from 1992 to 1994. And then right after that, John Elway with the Broncos. 
from you know 95 onward through the end of his tenure with the Broncos or not quite that long obviously but for two Super Bowls he had John Elway there with the Broncos and that was the best of both worlds and I think that's what this selection is about if the 49ers go quarterback Matt I think that if Shanahan can he's going to try to have the best of both worlds right if he feels that a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields can do it from the pocket he's going to go with those guys instead of Mac Jones but the pocket is the first mandatory prerequisite. You have to be able to satisfy what Shanahan wants there before he goes to the physical capabilities. And I think Steve Young um, and, uh, and John Elway are just a, a perfect basis for this discussion because those are two guys that could uh, throw from the pocket and they could run. Um, but they were also different. I mean, um, when uh, Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, went from the 49ers, uh, being the 49ers OC, to the, the Denver head coach, he inherited John Elway. And John Elway liked to, you know, he preferred to work out of the shotgun. And uh, Mike Shanahan um, adapted to that. And it just goes to show that, you know, not, not these guys are all different in their own way, but that this offense can adapt. I mean, that's what a good play caller offensive coordinator does. Uh, and, I, and I think it's a bigger tent, if you will, than what public perception is. It, it can it can handle a lot of different... Robert Griffin III had a great rookie season under the Shanahan. So it handles a lot of different quarterbacks. That's why I think at the end of the day, you know, before the draft, Shanahan will fall on one of these other two guys, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I, I have a feeling it's going to be Lance. That's just sort of my my instinct on it but because I watched both of those guys and they're not it's not like Kaepernick at Nevada where it's just one read and he he takes off these guys are looking to throw first and foremost now do they go through their progressions equally is one guy better that's probably for somebody better at film study than me but I feel like both of those guys are looking to throw they've got certainly the movement skills to operate in the pocket and that's my suspicion that when this all is said and done that Kyle Shanahan is going to land on one of these guys and you know roll the dice that uh you know certainly with a year learning under Garoppolo all that stuff you've mentioned Alex Mack I think that's a big deal having a veteran center in there that these guys are going to eventually flourish. It might not happen right away, but um, that's what sort of is built in by how the 49ers have designed this. The center in Shanahan's system handles the protection, and that's not the case in every single system around the NFL. That's one thing that Steve Young pointed out in the piece that I wrote. When he was with Tampa Bay, the the quarterback had to handle the protection. The, The center just snapped the ball and blocked and followed the quarterback's instructions. In the 49ers offense, the uh, responsibilities are much more delegated. The center is an extension of, you know, the commander on the field. He is the one that is pointing out, you know, where the blitzes might be coming from, letting the offensive linemen know what's going on. Obviously, the quarterback communicates with him if he sees something else, but the center has final word over what the offensive line is going to be doing. So that takes a huge amount of responsibility off of A, Jimmy Garoppolo, or B, uh, the rookie quarterback whom the 49ers pick, or both, right? So uh, Steve Young in Tampa Bay said that he he really struggled because he said it was criminal. that He used those words. He said it was criminal that he had to handle the protection, and obviously that didn't end up uh, good for him with, with the Buccaneers. Then he comes to the 49ers, Bill Walsh system, the center, much more you know cerebrally challenged, and he had to 
figure out the protections and that helped the quarterback. So uh, I think you could see why the 49ers really struggled last season offensively. Uh, if the center is in charge of doing quarterback-like things, identifying the protection, all this and all that, and the center is your fourth or fifth string guy there in Daniel Brunskill, at, at the very best, it was Daniel Brunskill, right, last year, and, and he had never played that position before. Well, I think relative to his experience, he did well, but now they have the NFL's all-decade center of the 2010s there, and there's a reason why the 49ers were happy with Alex Mack, even though he's going to be 36 years old, right? Because we're talking about a cerebral aspect of the game, and it, Matt, almost looking back on it, it seems that they might have made that move for Alex Mack knowing that they were going to bring in a rookie quarterback uh, this year because what better assistance can you give a rookie quarterback than the cerebral assistance that a center like Alex Mack uh, can give that position? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a perfect setup. I mean, it's a Kansas City-like setup for a rookie quarterback to come in. And, and that's been incited a, a lot, the, what uh, what the Chiefs did with having Alex Smith there and then bringing in Patrick Mahomes and having him basically sit. I think, what, Mahomes played one game his rookie season? I mean, that would be ideal for the 49ers as well. I mean, I think that, you know, Alex Mack being 35 years old and, and turning 36 during the season, you, you bring in a rookie uh Quarterback, but you also bring in a rookie center, or or you you have um, you have Daniel Brunskill really kind of study behind this guy because Alex Mack is not going to be there forever, and uh, we've had this revolving door at center, so it's it's time for them to really kind of commit to one younger player being the the uh, the center, the Alex Mack of the of the future. Um, and just the other day, Chris Furster, the uh, offensive line coach, worked out Drew Dahlman. At Stanford, you you know Drew. He's the son of Chris uh, Dahlman, the 49ers center. And, and Drew is like, you know, the, the perfect mold of the zone uh, running type of uh, center. He's not a huge guy, but he's good on the hoof and he's smart and, and, and has a, obviously has a very good bloodline. So uh, it'll be interesting if uh, history repeats itself with a Stanford guy Actually, I think both of those guys grew up in Salinas, went to Stanford, and then got drafted by the 49ers. Yeah, and Chris Dahlman played center for the 49ers, stepped in there uh, in the later 90s toward the end of Steve Young's career. So he was part of that that lineage. He didn't play center for as long as Jesse Sapolo did for the 49ers. Bart Oates was there for a couple of years. That Bart Oates is the, is the Alex Mack uh, comparison. They're both 36 years old in their first season with the 49ers, both former pro bowlers. It worked out for Bart Oates, so we'll see, and the 49ers, so we'll see if it works out for Alex Mack and the 49ers. Obviously, uh, the quarterback position was much more settled, shall we say, at least in the longer term. Back in 94, when the 49ers picked up Bart Oates, that was Steve Young's team. It would be Steve Young's team for several more years. As you just said, Matt, it, it might still be Jimmy Garoppolo's team for several more years. I think people, we've complained about this before, but on social media these days, people love to jump to extremes, and it's just not smart to jump to extremes. Just because the 49ers have traded up, they haven't even made a pick yet. You, you don't even know who, who that player is going to be. You can't with certainty say that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is going to be finished with this team. He's played good football when he's been healthy. If he has a fire lit under him and delivers an excellent year, as you said, and the 49ers win the Super Bowl, guess what? I'll put a lot of money on that right now. This team, Kyle Shanahan, is not letting a Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback 
go with a year still left on his contract. I think it, it would turn into um, an Aaron Rodgers type situation, even though he didn't win the Super Bowl last year, obviously. But uh, they drafted Love in the first round. Uh, you know, you don't even hear, hear a peep about uh, uh, Love anymore now after Aaron Rodgers put together that MVP caliber season. So it, it's one of those situations where the 49ers have insulated the quarterback room with. Uh, or, or they haven't done it yet. They have the pick. We can't get ahead of ourselves. But but it, they will somehow, some way, insulate the quarterback room with more talent. That was a stated goal at the start of the offseason. It looks like they're going to use a very high first-round pick to do so. And assuming they don't get blown away by a trade offer for Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that probably starts at, at a first-round pick. The price for him probably starts at the first-rounder. Assuming that doesn't happen, they're going to be much stronger in the quarterback room, and that's going to give them option power. They, they, they can go forward with options, and they've built it into their financial situation to be able to afford Garoppolo and the newcomer coming up this year. So uh, I think that's what the 49ers are looking for. They didn't want to run dry of options like they did in 2020 and 2018. Yeah, they, they did make it sound the other day in their press conference that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has always been part of their plans. But, you know, it just two weeks ago, Joe Flacco was in the building visiting. And uh, if, if they had signed him, I, I, I find it hard to believe that they would have done this trade and held on to Jimmy Garoppolo. So what would uh, they have done to trade, though, is my question. Well, didn't the- didn't Lynch say that they started to look at it before free agency and that teams were sort of hesitant at that point and only after free agency did they start to really discuss it and uh, obviously come to a uh, an agreement with Miami. I um, just wonder if the Flacco, that would have been a different offshoot, you know, you, when you take a different path in history and it turns into something else. So if they sign Flacco, maybe they stop pursuing the trade and they draft a Davis Mills or somebody a little bit lower. I'm yeah, wondering maybe. if, yeah, I, I don't know if those are concurrent paths. I think once Flacco didn't work out, they're like, oh, boy, we want to insulate the quarterback room. We don't have uh, a veteran option anymore. We don't want to re-sign Brian Hoyer. So they decide to just say, well, let's just push all our chips into the middle of the table. Let's go for broke now with the rookie. I think that that might have been the thinking. I don't know. But uh, I think they were exploring all paths, right? And I think this was the path they ended up getting goaded into, and that gave them the courage to take this huge leap. Well, the bottom line is once Flacco was off the board, I mean, they, there's really no other veteran option. Yeah, and there exactly. might be, uh, you know, at, at the end of uh, August when, when teams start cutting players. But but by then it's too late for that unless it's Brian Hoyer or somebody who's really familiar with his offense. There's nobody that you could lean on to, you know, start the season as, as your quarterback. So it seems like they're committed to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, like you said, if it's a first-round pick – they're probably going to pull the trigger on that, but at least for for half the season, uh, I, I would I would think that they really don't have any other options at this point but to go for him. Um, lots of talk going on right now about what the uh, what the off season program is going to look like, and recently it's been oh is, they're going to have OTAs and minicamps, but that's been that's been going back and forth quite a bit. It, it depends on who you talk to, uh, obviously. Shanahan and the 49ers would love for there to be OTAs and all sorts of on-field stuff because that's not only going to ha- help your, your rookie quarterback, but it's going to help Jimmy Garoppolo too. And Jimmy Garoppolo has had exactly one full offseason so far. That was 2018. The other ones have been interrupted by the pandemic uh, and, and his ACL uh, recovery. So 
that's that's a big deal for him. I mean, Shanahan has cited that quite a bit, that it's not just the in-season work that he's getting. It's all of the off-season stuff, too. That's where quarterbacks make their make their progress, uh, especially in his offense. You just need as many reps as you can get. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see sort of how that's divvied up um, this offseason. Let's say uh, Justin Fields comes in. How many reps per practice is, is Fields getting versus Garoppolo? And can you really get Fields up to speed uh, for the season? And, and my guess is uh, it's going to be really hard to do that. Well, you know, we, we talk about a rookie quarterback coming in, getting up to speed, but I think you hit the nail on the head there. Garoppolo doesn't even have a thousand career attempts, you know, 977 uh, for him. That's he's been on the bench behind Brady or hurt with the 49ers for a lot of his career. And when he finally got that full 16 game season in 2019, 476 of his 977 career attempts. So about half of them came in in that one season. So uh, that was a point that Shanahan made in the press conference on Monday that he believes there's still a lot of untapped potential in Jimmy Garoppolo. So in in a way, uh once the 49ers add a quarterback, you know, through the through the draft at the end of April, they're going to have two quarterbacks with rookie characteristics, right? Right? There's still going to be at least Shanahan thinks he feels there's still going to be an upward potential trend for both of his quarterbacks for Garoppolo and for, for whomever, whomever the 49ers pick, which I think is a fascinating dynamic. And you're exactly right. How are they going to divvy up the reps and, and do all this and all that? And I think clearly at the start, it will be Garoppolo as the QB1. He'll get that action. And if he falters, he gets hurt. If whatever happens, then all bets are off and you can hold your breath. That's when that rookie is going to have a chance to make a move. But it's Garoppolo's job to lose as long as he's on this football team, as long as the 49ers don't get blown away by a trade offer. And, you know, I think that ties into the trade discussion as well. Even a first round pick this year, the 49ers, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to say, hey, we want to win with a ready-made roster in 2021, and we also want to set ourselves up for longer-term success with a you know rookie cap pick quarterback moving forward. So that's the price of a trade, right? The 49ers don't want to give up their best shot at winning a title in 2021. That price may be very, very high. Lynch and Shanahan have hinted that it is very high. That price might be higher than a first-round pick. They might say, yeah, well, great, first-round pick we could probably get a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo next year if he has a good year as we expect him to so no thanks but no thanks we're going to move forward because we see the value of having a veteran quarterback for the short term on this roster so that's the position they're in right now and I think it's an advantageous one because if a team gets really desperate for a quarterback like New England or Chicago they might drive that price really high because the 49ers the strongest negotiating powers is the ability to get up and walk away from the table the 49ers have every ability to get up and walk away from the table since it seems they prefer to actually keep Jimmy Garoppolo right now. So they don't have to engage in anything until that price is way higher than it should be. Yeah, I mean, look what happened to this team in, in 2012. Alex Smith started that season as the starter. Uh, Colin Kaepernick ended the season as a starter. And it was clear that that's where the 49ers were, were going. He was, <laughs> he was a Super Bowl quarterback that year. And they were still able to trade Alex Smith, the veteran, for two second-round picks, um, so I mean, you, you can you can see that a similar scenario playing out. Um, I don't I don't even think that the, the 49ers would necessarily need to go 
to the Super Bowl under Garoppolo. If he has a good year, um, you know, and, and teams were already calling about him this year after a decidedly not great year, um, you, you would think that his, his value would still be pretty high. Um, and, you know, quarterbacks are at a premium. I mean, if, if you're New England, they're, they're unsettled at quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton's there for one season. you, you got to think that they've got to draft a quarterback at some point. They could be in that, that same situation the 49ers are. Bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo um, for a while and, uh, and have him sort of uh, teach a, a rookie how to do it. Um, there, there's lots of ways to skin this cat, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like the smart way to do it. And again, going back to the, uh, the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith scenario in, um, in Kansas city, that, that's, that's a great way to do it. You have a, a, a good trusted veteran who knows the system and it, it affords you to bring that rookie along as slowly or as quickly as you deem fit. Um, so, uh, it seems like a, a, a perfect way of doing it. Um, you just talked about, uh, total throws and stuff like that. That's, that's a big deal with this draft class, uh, because the, uh, the pandemic wiped out so many starts for a lot of guys. Uh, Trey Lance is going, is entering the draft with just 300 and something total, uh, pass attempts in, in his college career. <laughs> that's, that's a very, very small amount. Uh, so uh, a lot of these guys will, will require that, um, that, that grooming period. And, and that's, that's, that's the, the delicate balance that the projection that, that Kyle Shanahan has to make. Is this guy, after a year of that grooming, going to be something special? And that's, that's, the, that's the risk of the draft. You just don't know the future. You don't know what these guys are going to become. Um, but I think studying some of the guys that that they bypassed, and that's the big worry that a lot of fans have, is that if, if Kyle Shanahan thinks that there are five to ten elite guys every year and he's willing to, you know, uh, you know, settle for a pocket guy like a Kirk Cousins if he doesn't think that those guys are there, well, he's, he's bypassed two of the guys that have become those elite guys. And so that's, that's a huge risk that you end up doing that again with either Fields or... Um, or Lance, or, or, or even Jones. I mean, who, who knows? Um, but uh, that's, that's sort of the, uh, the, the big gamble that, that he's taken. Either you take a guy that's not going to become one of those guys, or you don't take a guy who does end up being one of those, uh, those five to ten elite players. And uh, that's what has, that, that's what has the, the fan base, David, on, on edge right now. Yeah, well, let, let's look at the way that this can play out because there's several ways that it can obviously come to fruition. Everybody, including the Jaguars who are saying this publicly essentially now with Urban Meyer expects Jacksonville to take Trevor Lawrence. Then the prevailing opinion is that the Jets will take Zach Wilson at number two, but that's obviously not as set in stone. Uh, that leaves the 49ers at number three with um, presumably if those are the top two picks, a choice between Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. And then you have the more under-the-radar guys like Kellen Mond and Davis Mills who are expected to go a little bit later. Uh, if uh, Let me start with this. Let's just kind of rapid-fire this, Matt. Say that the Jets don't pick Zach Wilson. 
Uh, is he an automatic for you for the 49ers or, or are you concerned with, um, you know, some of the, the intermediate timing and accuracy? Everybody's a film expert these days. That's the gripe that they seem to have with Zach Wilson. They think that he might not be quite as good at some of those intermediate routes as he is on those pretty deep balls. I, I'm going to talk to Greg Cosell next week and I'm waiting to formulate my opinion until I talk to people who are better at film than I am. Um, my question is casually to you, if Zach Wilson falls to the 49ers, is he an automatic pick? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think that the 49ers strongly believe that he's going to the Jets because why wouldn't Kyle Shanahan have shown up at that pro day the other day? I I realized that the trade was made the same day, but John John Lynch was there. He was obviously confident enough to to make the trip. So, I mean, uh, I... That's one of the kind of lingering questions I have is that Kyle Shanahan, the guy who's going to make this decision um, that we both agree is going to kind of determine his fate as 49ers head coach, um, has seen exactly one of these guys throw in person. And that's that's Mac Jones the other day. He still hasn't seen Fields. He still hasn't seen Lance. He still hasn't seen Wilson. So I, I got to imagine that happens at some point if the 49ers end up drafting one of these guys. But to answer your question, I I, I think so. I mean, uh, Wilson seems to have um, just that uh, natural touch. That's that's the way I would describe him. Um, He's he's got a a beautiful deep ball. Um, You know, the, the, the question with him is one of them is caliber of competition. He had his greatest games against really, really bad bad teams and he's only really had one great season as quarterback so I I don't think it's quite automatic Um, I just it doesn't feel like they're doing a lot of research onto him which makes me think that they really believe that the Jets are going to go with him or they'll trade out of it and some other team will come up and pick Wilson at number two so if that does happen which is you know that that's the possibility that's the leader in the clubhouse Wilson going to the Jets at Number two, then then you have the great debate that's tearing people up right now. Uh, Mac Jones, since Shanahan has that pocket QB only reputation, which obviously we we already discussed, but it comes from the Kirk Cousins mold and all this and all that. Mac Jones is the leader in the clubhouse for many people, uh, but the fan base, at least. The, the fan base that likes to tweet about this kind of stuff, you can tell that that they strongly, strongly uh, feel that Mac Jones should not be the pick. They want either Justin Fields or Trey Lance, who are stronger, more muscular, have more, you know, athletically are more impressive. They're faster. Um, that that's obviously the, the the line in the sand, right? It's the the quote unquote experts. A lot of the experts are, I think, going by Kyle Shanahan's track record and saying Mac Jones, and the fans are trying to dissuade them. In general, there's exceptions to every rule, but they're trying to tug it the other way with Trey Lance or Justin Fields. If you look just between Trey Lance and Justin Fields, Fields has been very accurate for for Ohio State. The, the, impressive accuracy numbers. Trey Lance actually has the worst accuracy numbers of, of the bunch, but that would be more of a projection, right? That would be a situation where the 49ers would be picking somebody who they feel they could mold into his potential. Justin Fields, a little bit more ready-made. 
Where do you stand on the debate, though, Matt? I know we talked a little bit about it, about Shanahan probably wanting um, ultimately the guy that, that that can run, that can physically impress you if he is able to win from the pocket. So assuming the 49ers do believe that between Fields and Lance, who's your pick between the two guys who are more on the physical specimen side of things? I I think it's Lance, and I'm saying this with zero confidence, but um, you know he, he's got a lot of strikes against him. Like I mentioned, he has not played a lot. He has not thrown a lot. I mean, you, you I've watched every one of his games, and I'm so frustrated by all the times that he takes the shotgun snaps and just runs straight up the middle. That was part of the Bison offense because he's such a good runner. But it it just robbed him of of throws, robbed us of the ability to kind of evaluate his throws. But having said that, they were kind of quality throws in that North Dakota State runs a very pro-style offense. And they put a lot of um, responsibility on Trey Lance. He, he called, you know, he would get to the line of scrimmage and he could check out. I mean, he did very kind of pro-style things. You're talking about Alex Mack and the, and the protection and the mic point and all that stuff. Well, at, at North Dakota State, the quarterback does all that. And at these other colleges, they don't do that. They certainly don't do that at BYU. They don't do that at Ohio State. Um, so uh, in terms of things that a an NFL quarterback will be asked to do, Trey Lance has actually done those more often. Um, you know, the problem is that he's done those against you know uh, a lesser caliber school. Um, I mean, you could argue that, well, he also had lesser caliber players on, on, on his side, so that evens things out. But that's, that's the fact of the matter. He, he's a bit of a, a bigger projection. The, the critique that I'm hearing, and I certainly don't have this because when I watch Justin Fields, I mean, I, I watched the game against Nebraska. I think that was their opening game. He's sensational. I mean, just beautiful throws. He scrambles out of pressure. Um, everything looks perfect, but uh, one of the critiques is that Ryan Day is a really good uh, play caller and that it just makes it easy for the quarterback. You don't have to um, call your own plays. You don't have to call the protections. Um, if, if you wait long enough, the scheme is, is so superior that against a Nebraska, against an Indiana, against a Northwestern or, or what have you, that the guy's going to come open. And... Um, and so Justin Fields has that ability to hit these guys and strike great accuracy, as you noted, just a, a beautiful deep ball too. Um, but the, it, there's a, a bit of a projection, like this is not the way an, a, a pro-style offense is going to operate. And will he have the ability to, to do that? And so it becomes a little bit more of a leap of faith, uh, I think, with him than perhaps a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance. Something tells me that Kyle Shanahan was mesmerized by Josh Allen's season in 2020, this past year. Obviously, the 49ers got a close-up look at Josh Allen. He shredded their defense. I think the 49ers were playing extremely poorly defensively that game. They, they weren't getting a pass rush. The the the, the Bills were able to, to stymie them up front, and, and Allen made them pay. So I, I said after that game, I wouldn't necessarily look at uh, that particular game as an exhibit of Josh Allen's surge and greatness, but the other games throughout the entire season definitely indicated that Josh Allen uh, is now a star in this league. And and I think that Kyle Shanahan noticed that. And obviously his path is not 
all too different from Trey Lance's throughout college. You know, Josh Allen went to Wyoming. Uh, when he came out of uh, college, the prevailing narrative was that this guy is physically impressive, but extremely raw, right? He, he didn't have that many throw attempts under his belt. Uh, he it, Because he was a junior college guy there at the start of his uh, college career in Reedley College, which is actually uh, very near Visalia, where I grew up, only about 20 minutes away. But uh, he was under 50% completion rate at Reedley College, just to give you an idea of how raw he was before he went to Wyoming. And then even at Wyoming, the numbers weren't too good. You look at Trey Lance's accuracy numbers, especially in relation to players like Justin Fields and Mac Jones, they also pale in comparison. But he has started to do some of that pro-style stuff. The responsibility has been there in college. And he's shown promise through those things. And he is just a complete tank physically. And that is the, the Josh Allen story. It took a while to blossom for Josh Allen in the NFL. took a couple seasons. But boy, when he blossomed, he certainly looked really good. And I think Kyle Shanahan noticed that which is why I haven't formulated my opinion as to who I think the 49ers will pick yet, but I think that Lance is probably the, the clubhouse leader for me as I'm working through this right now because of that. And you combine that with the fact that they're probably going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster this year. Well, look at the Josh Allen trajectory. Took him a couple seasons. Even better for the 49ers. You have Jimmy Garoppolo starting these games while Trey Lance learns the NFL terminology and the NFL nuances, and then he's ready to take over if that goes according as planned. So uh, that's my thought on this. I think that Kyle Shanahan sees a parallel to a, a player who, who is now a star in the NFL and Josh Allen and Trey Lance. Yeah, I thought that that game by, by Josh Allen against the 49ers was just a really mature game by him. Um, he, he took what the 49ers were giving him. So he, he's got this cannon of an arm, and you think that, you know, a lot of times guys that have that arm talent will just try to force things and uh, try to stretch the field when it's not there, et cetera. He didn't do that. He he took what the 49ers gave him, and, and they gave him quite a bit. It was not a stellar defensive performance. But when they blitzed, um, he also beat them with, with his legs. He was able to um, extend plays and, and then find the open guy. And um, you're right. I think that's a, just a really good lesson for Kyle Shanahan and, and probably, again, where this is all kind of conjecture, but one that he will uh, base this decision off of. And it, and it speaks to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, too. I mean, if he knew that these, those guys were going to become the guys that they, they became in the NFL, he would not have bypassed them for a, a C.J. Beathard slash her cousin's future I, I i wouldn't think and if the answer is he would then um maybe he shouldn't be have quite as much power picking players as he does my point <laughs> is that um these guys were not uh, they developed uh, over time they, they became better quarterbacks in the nfl that's why you have a coaching staff as you noted, that's why you've got Jimmy Garoppolo for a year if you want him, so that you, you that that these guys can learn. Um, and um, you know, I, I think maybe ten years ago when RG three was coming out, when Colin Kaepernick was coming out, th those were they were they were running much different offenses in in college, and they didn't have as much 
pro-style background as, as even Justin Fields does. So uh, I, I just that, that's why I think that you know all of this put together means that at the end of the day, before the, the, uh, the, the draft begins, that, that that's that's how Kyle Shanahan's going to conclude it. Maybe these guys, maybe I'm not quite seeing it, but I'm encouraged that we can you know turn this guy into the type of quarterback that I want him to be. Let's remember that back when Patrick Mahomes was drafted, he fell a little bit down to number ten. Right, he, it wasn't like he was one of these top five guys uh, at the time. People were not convinced that the you know he would be the next big NFL star. Andy Reid obviously rolled the dice there, developed him under Alex Smith, but uh, the talk around Patrick Mahomes wasn't what it is now. And I just want to apply that to this year. Uh, you know, just to play devil's advocate, I think you even mentioned it in your mailbag. But what about a guy like Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M? What if? What if he could somehow develop into a star? And what if Shanahan sees that and he realizes, oh, I don't have to use my number three overall pick on this guy because nobody else is thinking this. I, I could trade back up later to wherever he's you know, g- going to fall and I could grab him there. At that point, Matt, the option power of this 49ers number three pick, even though this is highly unlikely, I'm putting that as a disclaimer, but I, I don't think we can hold a conversation about this whole dynamic without mentioning that the 49ers haven't made the pick yet. So that number three pick could become very valuable to somebody else, including the 49ers too, because they could they could recoup some of that draft capital by trading down a couple spots and maybe picking somebody else who's not a quarterback and then getting their quarterback a little bit later on. Now, I know that would absolutely break Twitter, um, I think that's what you put in your mailbag. I think right. I speculated that a, a couple days ago as well. People would be furious, uh, at least for the time being, until they saw this guy play. But uh, between Davis Mills and Kellen Mond, maybe the 49ers really love a quarterback that's not at the very upper echelon and uh, of, of the rankings right now, and they'll pull a fast one on everybody. It wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened in the draft. What are your thoughts on that? I think it would be hilarious. I mean, it, it would explain why Shanahan has not been on this pro day circuit to this point. Um, but um, yeah, it, it would work out that you know all, all this this month worth of kind of hype um, you know, makes that uh, third round pick worth even more than what the 49ers paid for. So the 49ers obviously would be getting a better or more first rounders in, in the third rounder that they gave up to Miami for that pick. It would be so funny if that happened. Um, <laughs> the scenario that was put to me in, in my mailbag was, well, what if it's Kyle Pitts? The, the, the one sort of can't miss product, you know, the, the highest rated tight end that's ever come out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it would make the, the 49ers offense just uh, unstoppable having him and, and Kittle out there. I mean, that plus Davis Mills or that plus Kellen Mond, that would be pretty, that would be pretty interesting um, because you would, uh, you know, the argument would be that you have so much talent um, at, at quarterback that, or, or at, uh, at the uh, offensive weaponry that you don't need to have a, a totally elite quarterback. I don't think that's going to happen, but boy, that would be, that would be the greatest maneuver um, in, in the history of the NFL. If they could recoup even more than they gave up for that third round, for that uh, number three pick. Yeah, trade down a couple spots because some team is just absolutely frothing at the mouth for for a quarterback, and 
get Kyle Pitts or Sewell or whoever anyway, and then get a guy like Mond a little bit later on. That's the alternate possibility here. And again, uh, nothing could be ruled out. And the reason that the 49ers, I think, are in such an advantageous position comes down to that option power that they paid for to get up to number three. But boy, this has been a beast unlike any other. I, I knew that the draft was a huge deal to NFL fans and to everybody surrounding the NFL. Every year we, you know, go through a similar dance where the, the hype builds and builds and builds and there's scouting reports and rumors and all this and all that. It's way too many mock drafts to keep track of, but I had never seen anything like I have over the past week, which is why we kind of just sat here and, and let it marinate a little bit to, to wrap our thoughts around it. As soon as this trade was made, it just got wild. It turned into a massive food fight on Twitter. I mean, people were just throwing tomatoes at each other, everything. I mean, it, it was it was crazy. And just that hype, I think you're onto something, Matt. Just that hype drives the value of the 49ers pick up even more because nobody knows what the hell is going to happen now. So everybody that really wants somebody is going to be paranoid. And, and they're, they're, if the 49ers want it, they'll probably be takers for – that number three pick to where they can maneuver a little bit, even just within the top five or the top six, if that's what they feel is necessary. So I think they've just put themselves in a position where all options are on the table. And even though the most likely one is to just use that number three on their favorite quarterback prospect, um, th they are able to do other things, which which is what makes this super exciting, right? Well, I mean, they'd be betting that a, a March, the, the number three pick in March is worth less than the number three pick in April. Uh, which would be just a, an ingenious move. They should all go to the Hall of Fame just for, for figuring that out. But it would be Combating so funny inflation. if that happened. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's inflation. Wow. Yeah, they, they got out the head of the horse and, uh, with that one. So, I mean, yeah, all these possibilities are on the table. We'll bring Dennis into the fold who couldn't make it this time into our next podcast as we continue to preview the draft. I'll be smarter the next time that we talk because I'm just starting to – delve into this and look at a lot more of the film and talk to people to figure out what the actual nuance differences are because there's just so much noise out there right now so I'm looking forward to, to gathering again here in a few days and talking about this again when when I'm a little bit more uh, informed because boy you, you could really talk yourself into any of these guys at this point or any of these strategies um, but the trick is fairly looking at everything and seeing what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are most likely to do. Anyway, 49ers offseason, I mean, 20 signings and re-signings and then this trade. I mean, you could, can't ask for anything more as far as entertainment value goes, and that's going to take us through April. So we'll talk to you next time. It will be soon. We'll be doing more draft talk for the 49ers, who now hold that number three overall pick while everybody goes crazy. For Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. Until next time, this is the Here's the Catch podcast.